This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. One full hour with our guest today, lots of storytelling. And if you've been in the city for a while, you know this name very well. If you're new to the city or you're a little bit younger, the the name may not mean a whole lot to you right now, but after this hour, it sure will. Uh, Flames wrap up their road trip. Just got back myself yesterday from, uh, where were we, Denver, for that, Phoenix and uh, Vegas. Not exactly a successful road trip. Uh, three out of a possible six points. Flames uh, not faring all that well in Denver on Saturday night, but I don't think many people thought they would against the defending champions who are surging and are still the team to beat in the West, in my opinion. And uh, there were some positives on the on the trip, but the negatives are they just can't get the job done. They can play well but they can't get the job done. So uh, trade deadline comes up on Friday. We're going to get into all that. And I'm going to let Pat Steinberg and Logo and all these other guys talk about this a little later. But to that, for now, it's story time. And our guest today is Mike Lonsbro. You may know him as Mr. Ski. He was the longtime sports host at Sports at 1130 and Sports at 11. And he joins us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. How are you, Mikey? Well, good, man. I uh, heard the theme song, and I thought it was on Dennis Miller's show, and then just you. You got your own show. Are you the oldest member of the media now in Calgary? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I had not thought of it in that framework, but uh, appreciate that. I can actually think about. No, I don't need to think about that. Yes, yeah, I am. You just fire all of us, and then you're left. How does that work? I'm the only the only guy standing right now from the '90s. It was funny. We we had uh, we had Grant Pollock on a couple weeks ago. I sent you the audio up. You probably took a listen to it. And uh, he was one of your uh, partners in crime on sports at 11.30 and 11 for a long time on Global, and formerly known as uh, Calgary 2 and 7. But t- mm-hmm. tell me, well, tell our listeners, first of all, what was sports at 11, sports at 11.30? Just how do you describe the show? I asked Grant the same question. I'm curious to, as to your response. Ooh, well, it started out, um, well, the whole thing about it, him and I uh, did this other thing called On Sports. And it was before that. So we, and that was happened on Saturday night. So uh, that was the first experiment. And it was, I remember, uh, I remember one of the bosses coming in and saying, you guys, you can't, this is a sports show. You got to be a little more serious. You can't be joking and laughing. (laughs) And right away I said, well, if the management doesn't like it, we're on the right path. So exactly. So, and then when the show came up um, later, uh, you know, him and uh, Toth are supposed to meet him. I wasn't even going to be on it. And then they said, well, you better audition, Mike. And uh, because this one news director didn't think I should be on it. And uh, I, I. That was a theme for most of your career, wasn't it? That the news director (laughs) didn't think you should be on the show. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, In fact, most of them, hated us um i remember uh, noah wagner came to us one time he goes if i had my way i'd fire all of you guys but then i'd be lynched up at the golf club because people seem to like you guys yep and i said oh well that's you know long somebody likes us i mean management you know they you know we we survived in the show eric with uh no help i mean we had <laughs> There'd be times uh, if, when the guys were doing hockey and let's say Toth was off or Ron was off. Um, sometimes, and, and don't forget, we had a noon hour show. Uh, 
We had a 5.30 show. We had a 10 o'clock show in sports at 11. And they expected you to report on those days as well. So that's a hell of a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had one guy uh, named Dan Roberts who, who was helping out. He was our editor. But, you know, when you think, you know, uh, when you think about it, we should have had two other guys helping to produce all that content. Uh, and, and then on Saturdays, if you, there was, uh, one lady they slapped on our show that had no idea how to edit or do sports. And another guy was the same. I remember going on one time Saturday night, 18 highlights. When I went to air, I had three of them because I cut two of them myself. He cut one and it was just an ad lib. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's one thing you had to learn how to do uh, being a sports announcer. You had to ad lib, and yeah. that night, man, I was farting and tap dancing. I tell you that it's a it's a different world now. And 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 so your show was a half hour sports update show. I mean, it was kind of the precursor to to you know what whatever we see now on TSN or Sportsnet, and and you know, but but that was your source. Like people in Calgary, I know this sounds and. and I don't make any apologies for going back because I think it's so important to rehash the history of our great sports community here. So if you're younger, you, you don't understand this, but you waited up till 11 o'clock or 1130 to watch these clowns deliver the sports, but they didn't just do it like the talking heads do it now. And and I'm not trying to besmirch all of them. Some of them have some personality, but most of them are just reading a script and reading the highlights. You guys, it was one big ad lib and one big laugh fest. I mean, it was just very informal very goofy, and I don't think you could get away with it in today's TV. Do you agree that you couldn't get away with it these days, being so oh, loosey goosey? <laughs> well, or can you just just say to hell with everybody and to hell with the the woke nation and go do it? I mean, I mean, everyone's so offended by everything today. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, here I am on the farm with my girlfriend, my dogs, and my horses, and I'm quite content. Uh, I don't know if a show like that would work, but uh, you'd have. To, so you'd have to have a, a manager who said, okay, set the Kraken free and let them go. And, um, you know, see, I think the pendulum has to come back someplace, Eric, you know, somewhere in the middle, because right now it's gone too far the other way. But, I mean, we did what we did. And, and, and a lot of times when we go to air, we'd have a certain show set up. And it'd take a life of its own. It's something that would happen, you know, like uh, – there was sometimes trades would take place live and we'd have to go do that kind of stuff. So it was always interesting and always fun. And here's our, here was our philosophy. Toth came up with this line. He said, everyone play to the strengths. Don't try and do something that you're not good at. And that was our, our motto. And so we also had this motto is one night you're Johnny, the next night you're Ed. The young people don't know Johnny Carson in that. Yeah, game. man, are we old? But that's what it is. And <laughs> you just let the other guy, if he's hot, let him roll with it. Yeah. Laugh at him. And that was what we did. Because I found a lot of guys, and especially new as news anchors that we had, it was a fight for the bloody spotlight. They didn't know how to share it. They didn't know how to set a guy up. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I think we did better than most people in the media. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to uh, Mike Lonsbro. He, he was uh, on TV for what? How many? Over twenty years? How, how many years was? was well, your it show? depends. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, after I left in two thousand, uh, two thousand, you left? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And let me. I'll, later, we can talk about <laughs> how I left. <laughs> yes. Okay. But you know, uh, so then I had a production company, <laughs> and. Um, 
I had as much, you know, like Sports 11, Mr. Ski. I mean, those were fun, fun times, no doubt. Some of the best times I've had in my life. Tell me about but Mr. After, Ski. No, me? Tell me about Mr. Ski. Tell people about Mr. Ski because you were known around town as Mr. Ski in a lot of people's eyes. What, tell us about that character yeah. and how it, how it well, evolved. Um, the opportunity came up and, um, you know, I said, well, who's going to do the ski report? They had a young girl do it and didn't quite work out. So they said, well, let Mike do it. And I, someone said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. What would Letterman do? So I just tried it once as a goof. And I got this rather large guy with red hair reading a newspaper, and he just laughed at everything I said, whether it was sincere or not or whether it's funny or not. And that just started. And it, you know, it's, it just t- took off. It was a life of its own. So we started making fun of everything. And, uh, and so, you know, you'd have the ski report, and uh, you'd have a little skit, and you'd have the start of it, then the ski report, then the tail end of it. And it just developed a life of its own. Um, in fact, I got mobbed during the Olympics. Someone recognized me, and I was just in line to get many donuts. Hey, Mr. <laughs> Ski, I got picked up, and I'm with two of my buddies that played for the Riders, uh, Carm Kateri and Preston Young, and they're watching. These guys just grab me, and Mr. Ski, Mr. Ski, and they go, who in the hell is Mr. Ski? And I said, long story, you don't want to know. <laughs> but it was fun, and, and then they tried to bring it back later, but uh, uh, they just didn't get it. Didn't so, work. I mean, it ran its course, but it, it was it was so much fun. It yeah. was it was you know, and we everyone wanted to be part of it. And when we the funniest part, uh, so we had to come up with an ending for the last show. And uh, and this is the funny part. A lot of time we go you know half hour before we're shooting. Well, what are we going to do today? And I just get the camera and we'll figure something up. And then someone says, "Why don't we do who shot Mr. Ski?" I said, oh, okay. So Dallas had just, who shot JR? So we're going to do who shot Mr. Ski. So we're all around the piano <laughs> singing uh, Happy Trails by Roy Rogers. This is on a sports <laughs> show. This is on a sports <laughs> show. This is the beauty oh, of it. Unspor- yeah. yeah. And so anyhow, then I get shot. And so all <laughs> summer, they're going, people coming up, well, who shot Mr. Ski? And I said, well, I can't, I can't tell you that. We didn't know. And then <laughs> so... <laughs> Then when it came back in the fall, we had to say, okay, what are we going to do? So we came up with some concepts, and this is how tight they were with us. Uh, They gave me 25 bucks for a budget so I could buy a smoke screen. (laughs) And so I came, I'm on their emergency table. It looks like I'm dead. And then I end up at this, you know, everyone's dancing. All these guys are dancing. And I go, am I in San Francisco? No, Mr. Ski, you're in hell. I said, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, you were, but we won the toss, so you're going back. So in the meantime, the, the devil says, you want to dance? I said, sure. And they're listening to the Bee Gees, right? So <laughs> that's how that ended. And then the second part, I come up, and they changed it because they saw it, and they said, no, we can't run this. But Ed Whalen was God. <laughs> and he had yes, he was girls in bikinis beside him. Oh. And they said no to that, so we had to reshoot that. But Ed being God was great. And then uh, the end of it was when we came back for day number three, it was all a dream like the Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, like, like people would tune into this stuff locally. Again, you didn't have all the national shows. You guys were the, the, the biggest show in town. I remember when I came, I moved here in 94. God, I just these numbers just kill me. But wow. moved here in 94. 
And I remember quickly realizing, like, you guys were the show. And, 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 and the eyeballs on your show were immense. And in the sporting community, you guys, you know, were gods. And I remember you invited me onto the show. It, I, feel, I consider it my first big break. You, you invited me onto the show, and I went to Shanks. And uh, I went to Shanks South, and we did the show live. And uh, just what a thrill for me to go on live TV. I'd never been on TV. It was great. And, and I knew a lot of people in the local community would have seen it. We are talking about the Stampeders, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, afterwards, we started around and had a few beers. Now, you had showed up. You you had showed up at that thing, and after the show, again, we had beers. Another, there was a couple next to us. This guy named his name is Hutch, and he was dating a, a girl. She was a former Miss Calgary, and we started talking to them, and because uh, they knew who you were and all this. The night ends like two hours later. I end up hanging out with the guy Hutch. You end up going home with Miss Calgary. This is this is this is the celebrity status that you had back in the day. Now maybe I shouldn't put a date on it because, but that's how I remember the story. And Hutch is still one of my best friends to this day. It was a funny way that that whole night unfolded. But anyway, you, you, know, the, you know, it was great to have you on board because you're one of the guys uh, that got it. You know, a lot of these paper guys have become on. Um, my God, they put you to sleep. But you had some personality and you got it. So. That's why I liked having you on over and over. And the funny thing about shooting the show at Shanks, it was live. Mm-hmm. I mean, live in a bar. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so we were lucky. I mean, there, I mean, I remember one time uh, right in the middle of the show, this woman jumps up and kisses me and shocked <laughs> the hell out of me. And off she goes and everyone's laughing. So, you know, Tolkien and I are going, all right, let's the next weekend, a guy jumps up and kisses Toth. <laughs> <laughs> now you can imagine Toth. What the heck's going on here? Mike I'm a Toth. married man. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Amazing. All right, we're talking to Mike Lodz, bro. There's so much I want to get into. Uh, listen, you were you were around with Ed, Ed Whalen. Tell me, tell me an Ed Whalen story or two. And I know you've got a good Ed Whalen story involving honky tonk. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> It, it, we just, uh, they had a big, um, we had a, they had a big night where they're honoring Ed. And uh, one of the news directors was putting it on. And we just thought it was funny, a big night honoring Ed. And none of the sports guys are invited. <laughs> because, sorry, and I don't, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I just, I want to kind of set the table. Ed Whalen was kind of the face of your TV station. And he kind of anchored the, the, the dinner hour show, right? But he never he rarely came on your evening show. That was the clowns came in at night, but the the real serious, you know, well respected guy during the day was was your dinner. And I'm not saying you guys weren't respected, but you get the point, right? Well, yeah, and but Eddie, I mean Eddie had a pretty good sense of humor too. Oh right? yeah. So, um, but anyhow, when we, you know, I remember we had the thing called sports shorts, and uh, one of my the cameramen there, and he passed away uh, a week before I left. Named Wayne Borowick, and he would always put this stuff together. And he said, Mike, let's run this stuff at the end of your sports show. Because it turned out, uh, sports shorts uh, was a very important part of our Friday night show. And on this, one of the first weeks we had, uh, I, he said, I got this thing from Stampede Wrestling. I said, okay, let's run it. And not it. It's Ed interviewing Micah Singh, and I got another great Micah Singh story about that. And Ed's. <clears throat> Oh, Maka's saying, and he's going off, and then 
Maka Singh grabs Ed's glasses and breaks them and stomps them. And Ed takes a microphone to Maka Singh's head. And he starts pounding him on top of the head. For real. And I'm running this. And at the end of the show, the, the switchboard lights up and people want to, oh, man, I can't believe that. So Ed comes in Friday and I said, gee, Ed, we uh, ran sports shorts on Friday night and that little bit with you and Maka Singh. And, uh, and I said, I can't believe you broke your glasses. And he goes, kid, did you see any glass in those effing frames? <laughs> oh, no. Shocking. We got hoodwinked by a wrestling stick. <laughs> but another funny story was uh, it was Stu Hart's birthday. And uh, they wanted me to go down. And first of all, they wanted me to uh, ref the women's stuff, which I know nothing about it, which is too bad. Because if you think about the wrestlers, some of the best stories and some of the best entertainers we ever had. Oh, yeah. Were wrestlers, but we were snobs. We asked, ah, not real. But when you think back. What? It's not the, real. <laughs> okay, keep some going. of the entertainment value that we overlook because of that. And so it says, uh, well, why don't you go down? I said, well, who do you want me to talk to? Oh, just get someone fun. I said, well, who's fun? He goes, Maka Singh. And he said, I thought you hated him. No, he's, his name is Mike Shaw. I said, all right. Mike Shaw. <laughs> so I go there and I, I go, hi, Mike. And he goes, Mike Lonsberg, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And he goes, good. So you used to watch you on TV all the time. And I said, well, Ed wants to do a fake live. Are you up for that? And he goes, yeah. He said, whatever you want. Sure, whatever you want. And I said, okay, I'll just pretend Ed's throwing it, and we'll look into the camera and just have a nice little interview. He said, yeah, sure. So he gave me the mic, and I go, I pretend Ed threw it to me. Thanks very much, Ed. I'm with Makasing right now. Give me that mic, you pretty boy. What do you know about wrestling? You make me sick. You're a pathetic little man. And that old man that's at the other end of this, I'm coming to get you, Waylon. I hate you. I hate Calgary. I hate the hearts. Why in the hell am I back here? This is horrible. I can't believe I came back to this town. It's a joke. Jim Davies, you're a joke. You, you pretty little man. I've had enough of you throws the mic at me and walks off. <laughs> so I grab the mic and I go, well, Ed, that's Mucka Singh. <laughs> Amazing. Great and TV. And then he comes back and he goes, Mike, was that okay? And I said, it was perfect. Yeah. Those guys got it, right? They were they knew how to put on the shtick when the camera was rolling. Absolutely. And and, and yeah. I think people in this city, I don't think I need to explain to people, Ed Whalen, uh, the legendary Ed Whalen, not only was a play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames for a lot of years, but, of course, he was the host of Stampede Wrestling, and that was what gave him pretty much international fame. I mean, wherever he went, Ed was known and beloved, uh, not only as a hockey guy, but as a wrestling guy. So, Well, he really had to fight for that job to get the hockey job because, uh, and Molestar didn't want him. Interesting. Uh, because, of, because of wrestling. And uh, no Wagner campaign, no Ed's the guy. And... The cool thing about it, and this is the thing about um, play-by-play guys. I mean, you know, you, some are pretty dry. Some are homers. And, you know, you, the hometown fans don't want to constantly hear about Edmonton. So Ed, had, Ed, in his own way, presented hockey in his own unique way, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very different than everybody else. Absolutely. But Absolutely. that was Ed. That was part of his charm. Absolutely. And I don't think he could get away with it the way he did it then. Uh, nowadays, and I don't think you guys could pull off what you guys did nowadays either. It's just it's just a different world, and it's fine. It's I'm not saying that you guys weren't talented enough. You were great, but 
I think it was almost symbolic that Mike Toth ended up leaving your show or, you know, went on years later, went to TSN, but just didn't fit in there because it just, you know, it, they wanted him to be a little too straight laced, I, I believe. And, uh, and that's, well, they did, that's too bad. And they didn't, you know, um, like, like Toth one time said to him, well, you, 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 you hired the wrong Mike. And he tried to get me down there, but an old Mr. Ski episode came back to haunt me on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the guy that was hiring, I guess it was, uh, a friend of Rob Boyd, and we kind of made fun of Rob Boyd. So he, he said, ah, and, and Toth said, I got more chemistry with you than I do any of these guys down here. Yeah. And Toth is, is the most talented of, of us all. He he was, he just, he was just smooth, right? And yeah. uh, I, I just have such a high regard for him. The fact he's out of the business doesn't make sense to me, but yeah, hey, it's too bad. times change. Uh, we're talking to Mike Lonsbro. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, he's going to stay with us for the, the second half of the show. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Larry Rickman, Jerry Jones, fights in the parking lot, uh, Scott Cole, Burke Dales, Henry Burris. I dare point you in the direction of Bruce Jenner, uh, but we're and we're going to get into some of the pranks you played over the years, including one that I, I think ultimately led to your firing. But all that, all that in a little bit with Mike Lonsborough. You're listening to the Eric Francis Show. And, of course, it's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com. 18-plus, please play responsibly. And we'll remind you also that Mike's being brought to us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Hotline. NHL trade deadline day, have you heard? It's coming Friday and it's brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. We'll be right back in just a few minutes with Mike Lonsbro. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we're back. Mike Lonsbro, our guest for the entire hour today. We're getting a lot of fan feedback uh, if you want to uh, text us, 960-960, uh, there's a guy who chimed in, said that you used to, he used to deliver pizza to you, Mike. That was a big thrill for him when he was younger. Uh, another well, guy. Did he pick up the tabs? And... No, see, there you go. You were liked, but not loved, right? The uh, Elvis impersonator. Every time he sees an Elvis impersonator, he thinks of you and that hair of yours. And you used to do a little impersonating of Elvis, didn't you? Or was that your honky tonk? Uh, well, Toth was the honky tonk. I was at, <clears throat> I played in a, I played in a rockabilly band and we, we do a lot of Elvis music. So maybe that's it. Okay. Here's, here's a test for you. Cause I have one of your CDs and I have a great story <laughs> involving Ed Whalen and, uh, and, and, and your, I don't know if it was your only album, your first album, whatever you put it out. I wrote about it on page six. Yeah, used, you did. Yep. And there, I have a good story, but I obviously I can't tell that one on the air, but here, here's a test. Ready? My girl is red hot. <laughs> Finish the sentence. My girl is red hot. Your girl is doodly squat. There you go. What a, <laughs> one of my favorite songs ever. I don't know if you wrote that or one of your colleagues. No, or I didn't. It was uh, Robert Gordon uh, was my uh, favorite, uh, one of my favorite performers, and he did that, so I thought I'd record it. Oh, Forbes, Forbes would play that just to uh, piss me off. Because <laughs> he wouldn't play the whole thing, he'd play half a verse, and he'd go, oh, "That's Mike Lonsbro. Uh, that's enough." And uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. But then Forbes and I, and we, him and I used to put on a charity event all the time. And so, uh, one funny story: uh, he went home early, 
he had to get up, I guess. And so uh, I knew the guys from Calgary pick parts or something like that, his buddy. So we had an old car dragged over to Forbes uh, and parked it in front of his garage. So when he got up at four in the morning to get out, he couldn't <laughs> get out. Peter ah. couldn't get out. <laughs> and so I thought I'd won. And then the, the next day, uh, here's the old beater in, uh, in Jim Bagshaw's parking lot. He was the president at the time. And, uh, on the window, it was, my my gal is red hot. And Bagshaw had no idea. I mean, he had no sense of humor in there. And he goes, what the heck is this stuff? Oh, <laughs> Get out of here right away. That is funny. Okay, so practical jokes were, were something you were known for. Uh, tell me about the one that got you in so much hot water at the end of your career. Well. Or as, as clean a version as you can remember. Well, it, it's pretty clean. Yeah. I mean, what happened was, um, so... You know, Chris Galis went away, and he came back uh, on off his honeymoon. He was a, he was the like the number one. He was the anchor for your, your anchor, dinner yeah. show. Yeah, it was a big deal in yeah. the city. And he comes back, and uh, he's going on. Well, how was the honeymoon? He said, "Well, we're in Hawaii. We're at a nude beach, and I'm walking around buck naked, and uh, my wife's walking around topless, and she's an anchor, and I said, oh, we're just having fun.' And so we put that in the memory bank." And then one day he kind of had a tantrum. So I looked at my coworker and I said, who was the, the sports director at the time, uh, Pollock. And I said, we got to do something with this. So we typed up the letter and said, dear Chris, imagine my shock being at a nude beach in, in Hawaii. And you're walking around buck naked, your wife's topless. And who knows, maybe my pictures will find the Calgary Sun someday. <laughs> and we put it on there. I think the name was Craven Moorhead. Oh no! <laughs> so we we had a guy drop it off, and no. I go up for lunch, and I come back, and uh, it, the cops were there, and I go, "What? What were the cops doing here?" Well, someone's threatening Chris. What? They're threatening Chris. What do you mean they're threatening? Well, they sent him a letter, and I started laughing. So I phoned Pollock, and he was at the Flames game, and he said, "Oh man, this is too funny. Keep it going." Oh, he and says, so "Keep it going." going the, oh. At the end of the show. And then he said, well, maybe we should come clean. So I did. And uh, <laughs> so I go, Chris, uh, you know, I, 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 I got to tell you something. Was, I was the guy saying, there was two of us that sent that thing. And he goes, oh, Jesus Christ, Mike. And he was a little upset. Yeah. So then it comes back that, um, you know, I'm getting fired. And I didn't realize that. I was away for a while. And I come back on a Tuesday. And, uh, you know, the boss comes in. He talked to you upstairs. So I go up there, and I, I see Paul. Like he takes, looks over at me with his shoulder and turns back, like ignoring me, right? So I said, something's up. So I get there, and they they gave me um, this paper and goes, uh, you're being terminated. And I said, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, yeah, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. This is a joke again, isn't it? No, it's dead serious. And I said, for what? And uh, they go, well playing a practical joke on uh, Chris Galis. Now, it's important I tell you this story because I'd heard so many rumors out there what I'd done and what I didn't do, and I go, holy Christ, people, give me a break. Yeah. It, was, it was nothing that serious. And so uh, they they escort me out. They gave me two, escort, two guards, and they got two more guards out in cars with their lights flashing as they escort me out with my little box of goodies. And then I stopped, and I said, wait a minute, you guys, I forgot my gun. Oh, Mike, you did not. 
You're lucky, man. They didn't just... know what to, they didn't know what to do. Oh, and the funny part was just before I left, oh. I go, Mike, uh, when we're upstairs, uh, <laughs> we've got a counselor we'd like you to talk to. And I said, sure, what's wrong with them? Oh, no. <laughs> you went down fighting. Unbelievable. Oh, I, it was, you know, and, and after that, I mean, I missed it. But after that, I got to do, you know, I formed a production company. I did so many fun things after that, like Stamps TV. And it just opened up stuff that I never would have dreamt about doing had I not gone on my own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of parking lots, it's Pollock alluded to it. You, you've told me about it. You, so your show was Ron Manns for Mike Toth, you, Grant Pollock, and you guys, tell me about fights in the parking lot. Did you guys fight one another? Well, no. Um, or almost? Almost. Um, like Toth lost his mind on me one time and I said, okay, I'm just going to go home. And he just, the words he said to me, and I, and I was living out in an acreage in Airdrie at the time, so I turned around and said, screw that. So I went back, and I love Toth, and we've laughed about this. And uh, I, I didn't know where he lived, but I had an idea, so I drove around, and I saw him and Danny Roberts sitting in the car. And I get out, and I go, you arrogant, blah, 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 blah. You know, you talk to me like I'm your partner. And he said, you're going down. I said, you step closer, you're dead. You know that. Then you just stop. We kind of looked at each other. All the lights around the neighborhood were on like the Flintstones. Remember the old Flintstones show? Uh, another dated <laughs> reference. I love it. Go, yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we didn't talk for a month after that, but I'll give it to him. He's a pro, and yeah. every time every time we went on, that red light came on. It was the Colgate Comedy Hour, and he knew it, and he was the ultimate pro. And then we finally just, yeah, why, why are we doing this? I mean, A, we wouldn't. I, I mean, nah, we wouldn't have fought, but uh, it, but it almost yeah. But we had disagreements. We all had disagreements. Of course, we all get mad at each other and and not talk for a few times. But I mean, that's a show, and we took our chances. And sometimes our shows turned out great, like Disco Night, Hot Tub Night, all those kind of shows turned out. Some didn't, but that's the way it was, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we I loved I loved bringing people on that like. Uh, Crazy George, remember him? I brought him on one time, and he just started, jumped on the set, started pounding the drum. Toth almost had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was. I think you guys love to surprise one another because the unexpected was always good TV. Yeah. You know, there's so many different things that I remember. One of the things you guys would do is you'd go down every day to Stampeders. This is when the Stampeders were, you know, very prominent in the city, and, and the local coverage was reflected that. And you guys would have a story on them every day. I remember you just did a fun story on what do kickers do all day? Because they, they get dragged in for the last 10 minutes of practice to kick a couple field goals, maybe a punt or two. Tony Martino, uh, McLaughlin, and I, I think you guys spent the day with them and showed, and it was just hilarious. They, you guys went and I think you had lunch at one of their houses, then you went and had watched a movie, uh, you know, and you had video of all of it. And that's the kind of access that you just don't get with athletes anymore. Well, you just mentioned two of my favorites to hang around with. And oh, when yeah. I was doing the play-by-play -play with those guys, that's who I would hang Ronnie Rook and I would hang with those guys on the road. Um, and, you know, like even with Stamps TV, I mean, you got to see a side of their personality. Um, and, and it was fun. I mean, even McLaughlin, he'd go on Mark Stevens' show. 
and I'd phone in there with some crazy voice. Mark Steven would never get, I, I was on the show so many times and Mark Steven had no idea who it was. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'd make up some voice. And so McLaughlin was on one time and they finally get me through and I go, yeah, I'm just wondering, Mark, uh, you know, I, I don't think you're that accurate of a kicker. And I just wonder why they keep you on. And so he answered, you know, blah, blah. He was getting a little defensive. And I said, you know, I was watching uh, uh, that baseball movie with Kevin Costner. And and uh, I know athletes are superstitious. And that one guy dressed up in, in garter belts and nylons uh, to pitch. Now, I've heard you're superstitious and you actually tried that. What what was it like kicking in garter belts oh, and nylons? Funny. Putting him right on the spot. Oh, and he he knows who it is. He right? knew. He doesn't. He, but Stephen said no. Well, what's your point, caller? Oh, funny. <laughs> so straight laced. I love it. I love it. And it talk- yeah, those guys were great. Yeah, they were. Great. Uh, a funny story about McLaughlin. Um, every time I do an interview with somebody afterwards after the game, because we get our interviews and have to get him back for sports at eleven, he'd come by, and every time in the middle of an interview, just Backhand me right in the nuts. Oh, gee. Whether we're live or not, backhand to the nuts. And sometimes he connected. <laughs> and so remember this one game, he kicks the game winning field goal. So he comes out of the shower and, uh, and everyone's waiting for him. So we got a scrum and all he's got on is a towel. So I got my mic in front and right in the middle of his conversation, I reached down oh, and no. I try and pull the towel off and I'm yanking on it. <laughs> his face is going red. He's, he's not going to let go no matter what. He's got this big grin on his face. <laughs> That's funny. So I just put my hand on his ass for the rest of the interview. <laughs> oh, my. See, this stuff doesn't happen anymore. I, I know. I'm sure you're aware of that. And I'm not even sure it happened that much back then. You were the guy who would, who would do that and add some levity or some childishness. I loved it. Well, I mean, but those guys were great. I mean, mm-hmm. um, even the Flutie or Doug was great to deal with. I mean, I that was the one thing. And Stamps TV, you know, turned into um, stuff with Scott Cole, who's the craziest athlete I've ever covered in my whole life. Nuts, absolutely nuts. And the things I'd get him to do and that he would do were, you know, we did a show uh, kind of like a Letterman, a big show in a small town, and he was the star. I just sent him out. We took him out. Uh, he was a blind golfer one time with these two guys. And I got him dressed up in these colors. And I said, why? Well, he thinks he's wearing all black. And he'd be, the golf, the the ball would be one way and the holes the other way. And he'd be golfing. And I said, good shot. And I said, you guys, we've got to lie to him or we're going to be here all day. Oh my! And he gets out and he cranks one. First of all, they think he's blind. Then he jumps in the golf cart and I have to chase him down the, down the course. Oh. And <laughs> then he we line him up. We say, okay, one more. And he hits it. Like this guy can hit a ball, like 300 and some yards, yeah. right? You golf with him. I play a lot of golf with Scotty. Yeah. He's amazing. And then, then these guys are, what the <laughs> And it just made for great tea. I mean, I miss the guy dearly. Uh, you, that guy's not around anymore. He's married. <laughs> ah, Scotty. Yeah. You're right. I hardly play him as much anymore with him golf, but uh, yeah, he's a busy yeah. guy. That's yep. funny. Well, tell me about Flutie, because uh, I mean, there's a name that I don't care how old you are, you know who Doug Flutie is. Um, always gone along with him, you know. Uh, I, I just, you know, he's a good guy. Come on our show lots. I like him. You know, it, it took Doug a little while to um, to uh, warm up to you, but he come out 
when our band was jamming and he'd get up and play the drums with us and everything like that. So, you know, he's just a good guy. And, you know, glad I had that experience with him, you know. Um, and when he came back, uh, did a great interview with him. He came back twice and last time I saw him was at the, the uh, 25th anniversary. Good to see the good guy. I really oh, yeah. liked him. You know, yeah. I, when Doug Flutie went over to the, the Argonauts, left Calgary and, you know, wasn't getting paid and all that stuff. And I know you've got a story about that too, but, uh, when he went to Toronto and it was the first time I was over there and I built up a pretty good relationship with him too. The, all those guys back in the, in the nineties, yep. God, it hurts me to say the nineties. Anyway, the, you know, <laughs> I remember going back to their training facility in Mississauga and, uh, and, and, and I saw Doug and, you know, hugs and not hugs, but just, you know, back slapping and all this. Hey, good to see you. And he goes, Eric, Eric. And I said, well, I got an interview. He goes, no, no, I, I, we'll do that in a second, but I want I want you to hear something. We go into the parking lot. Like this is after practice. And he, we go into his like Jeep truck or whatever he had. And he pulls a cassette tape. This is the nineties. And he's like, I want you to hear my new, like our latest song, him and his brother, they had that band. I think they were called catch this. And he, he just was so proud of his drumming almost more than anything else. And yep. he just wanted me to hear this new song that they had written together and that he had this great drum riff in. And so he slaps the cassette, and I'm sitting in a Jeep with Doug Flutie <laughs> listening to some cassette. Like, it's just bizarre. And that sort of stuff doesn't happen anymore. So in that vein, tell me about some of the flames and some of the relationships you built with some of those guys. Well, uh, I didn't know. See, my beat was the Stampede. Oh, you were more Stamps. Okay, you didn't do the Flames yeah. as much. Grant did mostly the Flames, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, there was, you know, some very good guys like Colin Patterson and Perry Bearson and Lanny. And those were the good guys, you know, that you could, Doug Gilmore was fun to deal with. Doug always said, hey, when I'm done, I want to come on Sports 11. I said, yeah, you, I got better things. And which is the worst trade in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, flames, that was just brutal. Yeah. Uh, but and we're not here to talk about that. But mm-hmm. he was a good guy, and I liked dealing with Doug. And even Theo, you know, those guys at the time, I mean, we could call them at their house. Hey, just wanted to be on. Was, what do you think of the show so far? Theron's watching it at home. What do you think of the show so far? That's ah, not your best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't have to and go through a, a PR guy Matt, director. The average guy. Do you remember this one? We had this guy named Matt, the average guy. Yeah. And, uh, Matt Burlett. Matt Burlett. That's right. A funny, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Again, he got married. I never heard from him since. But uh, <laughs> he, he was the average guy. And once a week, he'd critique the show, right? Everything from hairstyles to this and that. But it, it was actually very funny. And, you know, we just, the whole thing is we made more fun of ourselves oh, yeah. than most other people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We're talking to Mike Lonsbro, a uh, longtime uh, TV personality in this city. I can't believe you said that you were done in 2000. Like, dude. That's 23 years ago. I mean, you and I have stayed in touch over the years, and I'm aware of some of the stuff you've been doing since, but I just cannot believe it's been over 20 years. Do you, do you miss it? Well, I, I'm doing some stuff with the Sutter Brothers right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, so this is, that's a, it's a whole different challenge. It's, I tell you what, what a bunch of great guys. Holy smokes. I yeah. mean, dealing with these guys, they're just fantastic. And the stories. And so stuff like this. So I've got a couple of projects and I'm working with them. Um, don't know if you knew this, but uh, the last two years I've been uh, fighting cancer. I had stage four throat cancer. Oh, wow. So that just kicked the crap out of me. And, 
you know, if you watch um, Val Kilmer's documentary and what he's going through, by the grace of God, I didn't have to, you know, uh, you know, it still knocked me out. But it's, it's, you know, I want to help make more awareness of that awful disease. I mean, that's of our lifetime. That's the big killer in in my books. But uh, yeah, so I didn't do, you know, with COVID, uh, Forbes and I had a fun show. I mean, it was crazy. We didn't want to do a takeoff on the breakfast shows. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. But then COVID, all of our sponsors left since COVID hit, so we didn't start up again. But oh, wow. You know, so, yeah, I missed the red light, you know, once it went on. But like you said, you can get your highlights on the phone. And I don't watch much local TV. In fact, I haven't watched local TV since the floods in 13. And, um, I could, I, you know, when I do watch sports guys, they all look the same. They all talk the same. They all dress the same, same haircuts, laugh at stuff. It's not funny. And it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no soul to it. There's no personalities to it. And I think because management has got scared of loose cannons, perhaps like us, but, uh, you know, we just had fun. And that's all we wanted to do is sports is fun, man. It's not bloody, uh, you know, science. It's mm-hmm. just fun. Let's, it's entertainment. And like I said, that's kind of one thing I kicked myself in the ass, not doing uh, more stories with the, uh, with the wrestlers because, one of the best stories I've ever heard in my life, Bruce Hart told me, and it was just a phenomenal story. And I don't know how much time we got, but someday we got to talk about that story because it's unreal. Is it clean? Yeah. Go for it. So, Toth and I have an accountant. We go for dinner one night. <clears throat> he brings another uh, client uh, named Bruce Hart. And I don't know Bruce very well. So, anyhow. From the Hart family, just so people Hart are clear. Family, yeah. 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 So he starts telling us all these stories. <clears throat> then he gets, uh, I said, what, what was Pillman like? And he goes, oh, Brian Pillman, I got to tell you a good story about him. So we're in Kelowna and they all t- sound like their dad. You know, Stu used to call oh, yeah. the office and he goes, yeah, is Ed there? I said, no, he's not Stu. How do you know it's me? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, uh, so Bruce is telling us this great story and he goes, we're in Kelowna and uh, we get there early. So we're walking the beaches and, and Pillman sees this unbelievable, beautiful girl. So he, he goes up and talks to her and makes a date to meet her at a, at a club after. And Pillman, the way he was, just this big, cocky guy. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to get her. I'm going to show her what a real man's like. Oh, God. Anyhow, Owen, they get back to the motel. Owen uh, sneaks out and pretends he's Stu and phones from another room down to where they are at. And he goes, yeah, Brian... Uh, we need you tonight after the wrestling match to go to the senior citizens complex and do a complex, uh, do a, a speech on the evils of drugs. Just say no to drugs. <laughs> he goes, well, Stu, I, I, I got a date tonight. Well, I'm the guy that cuts the checks and uh, I advise you to show up or you don't get paid. And now he's mad. He goes, I can't believe your dad's doing this. And well, he's, he's the boss. So they wrestle. They get done about 1130. By 12, they head over to the senior citizens complex. Now, what happens at a senior citizens complex at 12? Absolutely nothing. No. So they bang on the door, <laughs> and the, uh, the security guard comes. He goes, hey, we're with Stampede Wrestling, and uh, we've got a contract for Brian Pillman to come and speak to the, uh, to the people about the evils of drugs. And he goes, well, no one told me this. So they go get the orderly, and they come in, and they set up a little podium, and they start wheeling these people out. They're all passed out. 
<laughs> they're 90 years old, 100 years old. They, and here's Spielman. He gets up at the podium and he goes, well, don't be like me. Don't fall for peer pressure. <laughs> Who are their peers? They're all dead. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, don't, I made the mistake of doing drugs. Don't you make that same mistake. And then he gets off feeling proud. Then he goes to the club. And uh, it's raining and pouring. And on the way there, the Hart boys pick up. They see this mangy dog. So they pick him up on the street, and they take him back to his hotel room. So they put a pair of uh, uh, Pillman's underwear on this dog and put him into the bathroom and close it. And then they unscrew all the light bulbs. Well, Pillman has a history of drinking and et cetera. So he comes home. The girl wasn't there, so he's pissed, so he's had a few too many drinks. He's coming back drenched, gets on the door, no lights. So he's trying to make his way. He trips and he falls and he bangs his head on the door jamb and he's bleeding profusely from the head. So on his hands and knees, he makes it to the bathroom, opens up the bathroom door, and here comes this dog jumping on him. Oh my <laughs> Lord, that is so good. And he takes the dog, throws it on the bed, and he's running down the hall yelling, help, help. And all these wrestlers coming, Pillman, what's going on? Help. He said, Pillman, are you doing drugs again? No, I was minding my own business, and a dog <laughs> wearing underwear attacks me. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of great stampede wrestling stories. <laughs> that is funny. That's that, my favorite. That is, that is a good one. Uh, listen, that is the perfect way to end the show today. Uh, Mike, I appreciate your time. Oh, you bet. Uh, best of luck. I, I was unaware that you'd been dealing uh, with cancer, so I hope you're doing well. And uh, it's, it's my turn, man. <laughs> you, you sure sound great, and so I, Thank I, you. I hope you're feeling good. And uh, yep. I really want to have you back on the show again soon. We're, we're, you know, I just love the old stories, and I, we didn't even scratch the surface. We didn't get to the Bruce Jenner story, and uh, and I really want to hear that one too. So save it because that's a great one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And there's so many others. Uh, listen, yep. Mike, Mike Lons, bro. Thank you, my man. We'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. See ya. Cheers, my man. Okay, there he is, Mike Lodz, bro. Oh, it's funny with Mike. Every story he tells, I'm, especially since we're on terrestrial radio, I'm just cringing going, oh, God, where's this going next? And is this my last show ever? Uh, but uh, he kept it clean today, so thank you for doing that, Mike, and thanks for joining us for the whole hour. Okay, uh, the Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsible, responsibly. And uh, this has been the Eric Francis Show. We do it every Monday from noon to one. We embrace stories, storytelling, and we'll do it all again next Monday. Uh, stay tuned. Listen to Logo and Lou, and I uh, appreciate you listening. Have a great day, everybody.